Justice. Let's bring in our specialist research in politics and governance at um, SABC's research department, Masuela Ralebona, joining us uh, now. Very good morning to you, Masuela. We we are we we yet to start, aren't we? Yeah. Well, good morning. Good morning uh, to your listeners at home. Um, it looks like it's going to be a low start like we saw yesterday, which was not so surprising given what was happening at the registration center. Um, and and uh, a lot has been said after the conference was uh, postponed last night. Um, lots of speculations and all that. But I can tell you, I drove to Omonde where the, at the registration center of the delegates, uh, where by around 4 o'clock the place was still packed, amongst others that I saw who were still fetching their accreditation around four was uh, um, Tony Engeni, NEC member. Uh, I also saw the Kenneth Kaundal uh, District Municipality Mayor uh, Nikki Wenum, who also spoke to us and said anyone who thought the conference would start on time on, 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 on yesterday was just dreaming given the HR issues that is affecting the ANC because that process of registering members included or required staff, all staff hands on but the glitches and reported chaos at that side was also caused by the HR issues that is affecting the ANC as we speak. It's so interesting because, I mean, we've had lots of registration issues at all of the conferences that led up to this. I mean, in Ekoroleni, they didn't have the conference in Ekoroleni, they had to have it somewhere else. Um, there were registration issues there. Um, remind me, was it the Tswane Regional Conference of the ANC where David Mabuza said, um, where David Makura said, this is open warfare, or it looks like open warfare in the ANC? Quite a big quote for him to say, talking about his own party. Um, and we saw registration issues as well in KwaZulu-Natal earlier in the, in the year. If you put all of that together, I suppose, that shows why we're here. Uh, part of the reason why we see this is happening, Stephen. I've been, I've been, I've been arguing this a lot to say, when you look at the ANC for the past, uh, I think, 15 years, uh, the ANC looks like a party that is always preparing for the next conference. From 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 this conference, you are going to hear others saying it's only a matter of five years before we we get it back. Uh, you go to the branch levels, you go to the regional levels, you go to the provincial levels. There's someone preparing to unseat the, the newly elected uh, 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 executive. So those, uh, you'll remember that if there's a chaos at registration, it means even during the credentials, there's going to be a lot and lots of argument before credentials can be, can be adopted. Look at what happened in the Eastern Cape earlier this year, when the actual uh, results were released or the voting happened on the last day of the conference, on Monday, extended day, which means the delegates, they were arguing over credentials. Uh, people even thought that, that conference was going to collapse. The same happened in Northwest not long ago, uh, the, 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 the provincial executive uh, uh, conference. So the ANC, if the ANC really wants to go back to the, to the, to the people, really wants to capture their minds and, and, and be the leader of the society, as they say, they will have to deal with their internal issues Look what happened in the Northwest, where they disbanded the whole municipality, yeah. only to come back and lose it. You remember ANC in that municipality, they, they were 61% in 2016. They went to 51%, in, which means 10% uh, uh, below in 2021. Now, as we speak, the ANC got 40% 
after the uh, yesterday's by uh, the this week's by elections yeah. in the 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 northwest. Ma- Masuele, um, when we look at this situation, right, and we see the sort of tension, the big key moment comes when they adopt credentials or don't. Um, they have to adopt credentials, otherwise there's no conference, right? Yes. They have to adopt credentials. Uh, a lot has been said already about the, the issue of credentials, whether KZN will come into into play, whether Limpopo, all the provinces, everyone has a... Has a, has a. Remember, one, one of the issues here, uh, Stephen, is that the 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 one who get to to be sent from the branch level to come here and represent the the the, the branch is not really guaranteed that that person will give that vote will represent the party the way they are supposed to represent the party you are stephen you come from the branch in Bryanston, for example and then your branch says go there we want paul machadile and but you are Stephen, you are one. After leaving Bryanstein, coming to Nazareth, the decision is yours, what's going to happen uh, along the way. And that's why you still see the lobbying inside. That's why you still see the, 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 the noise inside. Because these guys know each other and they know what they've been whispering to each other. Even though the branch may have said, Stephen, go for this candidate. You, the, the, the choice is yours and yours alone. So, I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, Sebenzile and Du have crossed sides and gone beyond the fence. Have you seen this? They've literally gone beyond the fence. I don't know, Sebenzile, what's the weather like over there? <laughs> this makes me feel very important, Stephen. I've been allowed well, through. Well, Mdu's with you, so you must be. We passed through all of the marshals and we're now speaking across the fence. Like, which one of us is incarcerated here? Uh, Masuela, I think that'll be you and I, hey? We're the ones. <laughs> we want freedom, please. Yes. Well, well we've, we've gone over, just to give you a sense, we've gone over because we're waiting for uh, one uh, Zamani Sol to make his way. There he is in a bright yellow T-shirt uh, with the Cyril Ramaphosa's face on it. In just a moment, we'll have an opportunity to have a conversation with him. And uh, I suppose we could have done this through the fence, but for optics, I'm told, it won't look nice in pictures, so I had to come over and you stay on the other side. Um... Well, I suppose, you know, one could, could only say that I, I probably deserve that. Um, I, I, I wonder as well, and I'm always interested in the conversations that people have and what they'll say in public at this moment, because people want to appear strong, right, Masuela? They want to appear, no, we're going to win. I mean, we spoke to Bekim Tolo yesterday on SFM, and he told us at about quarter to nine yesterday morning, quarter to eight yesterday morning, I think it was, he said, no, 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 it's William Kize is going to win. And I was like, really? He said, Absolutely. There's this sort of posturing, this idea of, you know, we're all going to look big and strong because we're going to win. Um, I'm looking at the history of the ANC uh, from Nelson Mandela, from Tabombeki, from uh, Jacob Zuma. Uh, the, the, the history has taught us that the incumbent will get a second term. But we, 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 I'm not saying the incumbent will get a second term, but given the numbers that have come from the branches, uh, for me, when I look at Zuelim uh, Kiza right now, he looks like Kalima Mutlante in 2012, where there were those who, who, who were wishing and hoping that things will change. But the incumbent in the history of the ANC uh, shows that he is likely, highly likely, 
to come back as, as a winner. Bekim Tolo coming from the ANC, the, coming from the KZN. KZN hasn't had a, a, a member in the top six in the past five years. Uh, and they are pushing for something to, 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 to happen this time around. Uh, what, I can, what, I, what do we see uh, uh, when, 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 we, when we look at the nominations, the numbers that have come in? Mdumisen Induli from KZN stands uh, a good chance to become an SG. But don't, rem don't forget, don't forget what happened in 20, 2017 when ACE came here with six provinces. Uh, on, 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 on in his support, but I mean not 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 Ace Makashule. Um, he had six provinces supporting him coming to this conference. It was it looked like a sealed a done deal, but uh, Ace Makashule emerged. And what happened after that? <laughs> so many different things happened uh, after that. Okay, so. Um, Sebenzile Nkambule is, um, well, she's gone a little distant. We can see her over the far horizon. Sebenzile, it's us over there. Hi, can you <laughs> hello, see us? Hello, hello. No, I've had to move a little a little further from you, Stephen, um, as we still await Zamani Saw. Um, he's, he's gone over to, to our colleagues. So I'm just uh, standing a little further now and hoping, of course, uh, that he'll make his way um, shortly. I'm glad that uh, the, the signal is still decent enough for us to actually chat here. Um, and, and hopefully he will be he will be with us uh, very shortly, in fact, uh, to have a conversation with us. Do you think, Stephen, I'll get into trouble if I say good morning to one uh, Zizi Godwa here. Go for it. Um, I might as well. While we wait for, for Zamani Sol. Mr. Godwa, good morning to you, SAFM. Just say good morning to our listeners. Good morning to our listeners. <laughs> oh, he's, come on, he's Zizi, just, you just like us away. more than that. <laughs> Good morning to your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there we go. There we go. Deputy Minister there of State Security, Zizi Godwa, making his way. He said good morning. Mm. We tried to maybe get a bit more than good morning, but but not. No, well, we've got two good mornings. That's the yeah, best we could. Well, do. I mean, you know, let's see how we go. So, Dr. Zamani saw, we know, strong supporter of President Ramaphosa. His province was the first to come out, I think, in December a year ago to, at their conference to say, look, we're supporting um, President Ramaphosa for a second term. Um, and so I imagine he'll be quite bullish this morning. I suppose the key question though is, Dr. Saul, good morning, Mr. Premier, yes, if you join us, um, what is going to happen when the court, when the hall meets again? In, indeed, right? Um, uh, the question, the issue around credentials, um, uh, Maswali, we, we still have you here. Of course, a, a critical part um, of it, and that really gives you a sense that that conference has gotten underway. I mean, as soon as everybody is in, is in plenary, is that likely to uh, to be a seamless process? Um, we are not so sure. I, what I know is that the conference is charged right now. Uh, the tempers are high, of which we've seen this also in the past uh, 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 ANC conferences. Uh, the the power of the chairperson of the ANC, which is Gwede Mantashe, uh, we saw him exercising his power yesterday, and he Clearly, uh, everybody saw that he managed to quell the, the, the situation when there was an attempt to disrupt uh, President Ramaphosa. So, and as a former SG, we saw what he used to do to protect the incumbent during his time. And he successfully defended uh, President Jacob Zuma throughout Jacob Zuma and Godman just term as a, as a, as a, uh, during during their, their their ten years the so-called nine wasted years they they, they he, he successfully defended the incumbent so I'm thinking whatever that is happening right now whatever that we are 
we are we are thinking will happen in the plenary today uh, with the with the with the powers uh, that Gwedeman Tasha at the chairperson of the ANC right now uh, and what he exercised yesterday we are likely to see a smooth running of the conference uh, and what happened yesterday might happen but he will still manage to bring the house to order. Uh, Greta Mantash has been at the centre of everything in the last two weeks, hasn't he? Pala Pala, uh, he's been at the centre of the energy situation around Eskom and Andre de Reiter. And if you look at him over the last 15 years, from the moment that he became um, uh, 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 elected Secretary General of the ANC, while Chair of the South African Communist Party back in 2007, yes, Sipanzila, I know I'm very old, thank you. But what that shows you is an ability to kind of use power when you need to. I mean, I don't know if we've had many politicians like him in the democratic era. Um, when you check the nominations right now, Gwede Mantasha is against um, uh, Stanley Matabata from Limpopo. And the numbers are showing uh, that the numbers, the numbers are showing that uh, Stanley Matabata might, might take it. Uh, but Gwede Mantasha, having been uh, fingered in, in the in the state capture, mm. uh, he's challenging it in court. Report. Yes, Basasa. yes. But remember, history has taught us that if you are in the in the ANC, it depends which camp you fall in. So if Guedemantache doesn't want to end up, if Guedemantache doesn't want to end up in 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 in, in going in and out of courts. He might have to play his cards right. And right now, as, 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 as we see, uh, immediately after the Section 89 report was released, Gwede Mantashe was very loud. Gwede Mantashe was going up and down and saying that we, this, 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 this is just... Uh, when, they, uh, the, when he was asked if the president will be resigning, he, he, was mm. the, he was one of those who were saying it's not going to happen. Masuela Relabone, thank you very much indeed. Well, we're joined now by Oscar Mabayani, the Premier of the Eastern Cape, leader of the Eastern Cape there. Mr. Premier, good morning to you. When do you expect the uh, conference to start? Good morning. Good morning also to listeners. Uh, it's scheduled to start at night. We are expecting it to start at any time. You would understand the issue of logistics. Delegates are staying all over uh, the Johannesburg. Uh, ours are staying in airport, at the airport. Uh, you can imagine uh, the traveling. As I was traveling in here, I was with buses uh, to this side. So clearly the logistics are a little bit uh, a challenge, uh, but the conference today is going to start as it has already started yesterday. We're continuing. Do you expect to do nominations today still? Definitely. Uh, we are late. We should have done that. Uh, confirmation of nominations yesterday. Uh, today we should be talking something else, uh, probably later today or tomorrow. We should be getting results. So we are late. Uh, there's a need for a new leadership. You can say uh, when the leadership uh, term comes to an end, uh, the center is a little bit not holding. There's a lot of shaky ground, so you need a new leadership coming up now to actually chart a way forward. Premier, thank you for your time. How would you describe the president's address yesterday? Did it adequately set the tone for for the conference? We saw some what some have called ill discipline from some delegates as well. He was heckled through some of the speech, not necessarily most of it. But but how how did that in fact set the tone for what's yet to play out at conference? Solid uh, input, very comprehensive. Uh, that was a reflection of a political party that is uh, 110 years uh, to its 55th uh, conference. 
and also uh, that was a reflection of a political party that is in government uh, showing uh, the South Africans what is going on, how the governing party is governing the country. So I think the president did very well. He has set actually a very solid tone for the conference. Also dealing with all the issues, malfeasance and all the current troubles that we have in the ANC. I was happy that he was not intimidated. He forged ahead. He was very clear as a leader of the ANC. That's what he expected. That's what he wanted actually. Is he going to win? Definitely he's going to win. By how much? <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Oscar <laughs> Mabiani, the premier there of the of the uh, the Eastern Cape. Carol Payton, the journalist, is, was trying to hijack my interview. Let's hijack her. Do you agree? That uh, the president will win by a lot. Uh, yes, I think he will. I think he will. Carol, thank you. The hijacky becoming the hijack. Uh, Carol Payton, of course, at uh, News 24. So, yeah, lots going on. Seven Zila, I thought quite a confident uh, Oscar Mobiani. Ab absolutely. Abs very confident. It doesn't, doesn't look like a, um, a man who needs to be worried about his, uh, um, his delegates from the Eastern Cape. Um, he spoke uh, very highly as well of the president's address, uh, saying that, uh, you know, he, he, laid, he laid the ground very well there. Um, speaking broadly, of course, about, about the organization why it exists, what it still needs to do, uh, being attractive. He said the, the ANC needs to be attractive to the youth of the country. I, and, I, and I wonder, though, especially given the, the challenges with the youth league, if you think about the uh, non-existent youth league post the Malema era as well, do young people see the ANC as, as, as a party that they can associate themselves with, that, that can lead what is, in fact, a very young country? Yeah, um, and I mean, I, I've seen uh, in Europe, where that continent's much older in terms of demographics. And they went through a phase of having much younger leaders, people like um, uh, uh, Ian Cameron and people like that. And there's been some people who've suggested, well, actually, the young leaders have messed it up in Europe. <laughs> so maybe there's an argument against it. On the other hand, I think you'd have to say, well, let's look at how the older leaders have done in the situation we're in. So you'd have to sort of compare. But I think actually what it also boils down to is that age is just one element of someone's identity. It's a bit like saying women vote differently to men. If you look at the numbers, they don't. Um, there are lots of other elements of their political identity that, you know, become very important. And so it doesn't really work like that. I'm interested in the fact that we're beginning to see people now. So we saw uh, the Deputy Minister of um, uh, State, Security. State Security, thank you, Zizi Cordua. Mm -hmm. We saw Oscar Mobiani there, and that's usually a positive sign when we start to see people coming out. Yeah, indeed. And, and of course, we uh, before we are accused of uh, um, not meeting our promises or making false promises, we'd said we will be speaking to uh, uh, the Premier of the Northern Cape, Zamani Saul. Um, he, he has still disappeared in, into one of the little tents here. Um, one, one of our colleagues have gotten a hold of him and they're not releasing him. I thought by now we would have had an opportunity to, in fact, have a, a discussion with him. As soon as he comes out, we'll certainly, of course, uh, take the opportunity to chat with them a bit. Stephen, one other point here, and uh, of course we, we are on, on the wireless here, and, uh, and our listeners are often don't really get a sense of, of how, how vibrant and dynamic it can be out at, at a conference, a number of tents. The, the media contingent is rather significant. I tell you, if we were a voting bloc, Jeepers, I think we could, we could change things. We could here. certainly There's get someone so nominated. We could nominate someone for sure. But, but it just it gives you an indication of how big this organization really is, the international media present here, it's, it's quite incredible. It's very interesting to see um, how many people come and I think that says a few things. The one is that how important this issue is. I think the other is that it's a great story. There's drama, there's intrigue, it matters. I would say, now I've 
maybe I'm, I mean, I don't have evidence to back this up, but let me say it anyway, um, that if you had to go through the television moments that were watched the most, the, the moments that had the highest number of people watching um, on radio, listening on radio and, and watching on television in South African history, and we, we remove the pandemic and that showing of that one movie on SABC3 that one night, and we actually then look at those moments. And I would yeah. say there are two that would stand out for me. The one would be the results at Polokwane, yep. and the other would be the results at Nazareth here five years ago. Those would probably be the two where almost every single South African who could, here and in other countries, mm. would have been watching or listening to it live because of how it mattered. And that shows you, five years later, why there are so many journalists here, in my view. Um, indeed, or, or the fact that uh, we've really just missed conferences and <laughs> missed being in very <laughs> large gatherings and, and missing terrible coffee. I haven't had some, but I'm yet to hear anybody brag about uh, the quality of, the, of, of, of coffee at any conference, in fact. But many of us, of course, have been describing this conference as a watershed conference. And we have, in fact, been, been accused by some that sometimes we, we uh, create too much... Uh, too much excitement, whereas it could just be business as usual. But as we know, it isn't business as usual. Um, and uh, I can see Zamani Sol is now making his way over to us, finally. Dr. Zamani Sol, Premier of the Northern Cape. I'm well served, thank you. Uh, um, firstly, we've heard from the Premier of the Eastern Cape. He believes conference is going to start soon. What are you expecting the mood to be in the hall when the delegates gather? Jack, the mood is very ecstatic, a great deal of euphoria, and you see delegates are quite excited and particularly from my province some of them are attending a national conference for the first time so this is the biggest political school of the ANC and I'm certain when you listen to the president gave you a journey where this organization comes from where we are now what government is doing what is the state of the organization what is expected out of this national conference so 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 we are very happy to be here Premier, uh, good morning to you, uh, morning. Thank you morning, very much uh, for, for your time as well. Yeah. We, we saw some, some Ill, Ill discipline yesterday. I keep coming back to that as well yeah. because it was quite particular, very limited as yeah. well, uh, coming from, from some of the KZN yeah. uh, delegates. Well, what, what did you make of that sort of reception? Did that's, it surprise you? Is it to called, be expected? That's uncalled for. Yeah. We can't expect such kind of ill discipline. It's completely uncalled for. There are platforms in the ANC. If you've got any grievance, you can properly ventilate those grievances. What happened there is completely uncalled for. And it sold the campaign of uh, Dr. Zulim Kiza. KwaZulu Natal is basically the province that is pushing for him to become the president of the ANC and behaving like that it was a major turn off even to those who would have been sympathetic to him. It's irreparable damage. They gave a stamp to the second term for Cyril Ramaphosa. They worked in his favor. And the kind of leadership that he projected there under those difficult circumstances, just something out of this world. He's an extraordinary individual with extraordinary leadership skills. Well, I was going to ask you who you're going to vote for, but I think I've worked it out. <laughs> <laughs> there can be no doubt about who I will be voting for. Um, the fact that former President Jacob Zuma was late, how do you respond to that? Was that out of line? I, I don't know what could have delayed him, but if I was a former president, expecting going to a conference which will be addressed by the incumbent, I would have tried my best to be early so that I don't have a disruptive arrival. His arrival was a bit disruptive and uh, I don't know what delayed him, but if I was Jacob Zuma, I would have tried to avoid that scene.
Do you think it was coordinated that he arrived at the point when the president had already started speaking? I, I don't know. That's the reason why I'm saying I don't know. I don't want to be judgmental about that. Uh, but, uh, but it was very disruptive. Uh, it was unfortunate. Um, when the delegates come back and we have finished the, and if the credentials process is finally finished, are you still expecting a big victory for President Ramaphosa? And what would you base yeah, that on? Definitely, it's written all over here. Big victory for Cyril Ramaphosa is written all over here. Eight provinces nominated him. Only one came with a different candidate. And uh, I think this is for the first time. I don't know whether you remember any other conference of the ANC. Out of the nine provinces, we've got eight nominating one candidate. But Pala Pala, I mean Pala Pala. Yes, Pala Pala is a matter that we are dealing with and we consistently raise our issue. That is very unfortunate and we want Pala Pala to be properly investigated and brought to its logical conclusion. Well, we, we saw, of course, um, members in Parliament voting, well, your members <coughs> voting overwhelmingly, in fact, uh, um, against a process which yeah. would have allowed for these issues to be ventilated, yeah. to, in fact, go into some details. Sounds a bit counter to what you're saying they now, to say you against, want the matter to be, yeah. to be looked into. They, they, they voted against a very weak report. Uh, they voted against a report which I would basically call a nonsense report. Because if we had an opportunity to read the report, then you would establish that, uh, taking into cognizance the people who were tasked to draft the report, it says, it, say, it, it says a whole lot about them. So I had an opportunity to read the report. The body of the report, after you've read the body of the report, you expect a different conclusion. The way they come with those recommendations from the body of the report is just incredible. So the ANC rejects that report. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Saw, you have a doctorate in law. Okay, this is a report written by a former Chief Justice. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but if you read the body of the report, I don't think you can say it's a surprise. They ask specific questions all on the President's version. He, he could not explain where the money came from. There was no affidavit or anything like that, no legal document that came explain. from the manager. He did explain. Basically, the report, what it says, they couldn't find the buyer. Just by scratching the surface, international media houses could find the buyer went to where the buyer stays, had interviews with the buyer, and the buyer says, I was there, I came to the country with $600,000, properly registered as I, at the port of entry, when they bought these animals. But the report creates an impression and suggests that the buyer does not exist. If you look at the rules of parliament, they require sufficient evidence. And the report introduces a new standard, which is prima facie, which is by far lower and sufficient evidence. So when I read the report, I'm not reading a chief justice. I'm reading the report which has been written. And for me, that's a nonsense of a report. Poorly crafted, with grammatic errors. I did my doctorate on illegal eviction, a doctrinal policy on mm. a meaningful engagement, where the former chief justice noble contributed meaningfully, contributed in an extraordinary way in crafting that legal doctrine. I've read almost all his judgments. What that report is, is not what I know about. Sure. All right. Mr. Premier, thank you very much. Right. Lots of people around us telling us that you have to be dragged away from us. I really appreciate the no. time. Sir. Thank you for your time. Uh.
Samani Sol, the Premier of the Northern Cape. What do you make of those comments, eh? But I know that writing's well. I've read almost all of them, and that was not his wow, 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 <laughs> wow, wow. Shots fired, I thought, Seven Zero. In, indeed, indeed. And the comments, of course, about the disruption, and he says uh, that, that sealed it for President Ramaphosa, the behavior from, from KZN there, that, that of course, uh, uh, done uh, Dr. Zuelim Kize in. Very hey, strong comment. Have you noticed him dudes trying to make us walk and talk? Now, walking and chewing gum at the same time is one thing, <laughs> but walking and walking talking and at talking the same is time, another. come on, him do be reasonable, man. All right, um, we're joined now. Um, shall we invite everyone to have a seat? We're joined by Sandile Swane and Dr. Livian Dow as well um, with us. I was struck, um, Sandile, if I may just start with you. We were talking to Dr. Zamani Saw, the Premier of the Northern Cape, a few moments ago. Now, you know this is a man with a doctorate in law, right? So I'm seven full years away of study from what he has when it comes to law, because I have nothing in law. And, and he was saying he knows the work of the former Chief Justice Sandile Ngobo well. He helped, he con the Chief Justice wrote a lot about what he wrote about, evictions and his thesis. And he does not recognize the work of Judge Ngobo in the Palapala report. I thought that was an extraordinary thing to say. I think it is extraordinary. I also read the report. I don't have the, the law decrees myself, but uh, the, the impeachment process, if we can call it that, is a political and governance process. Uh, and what I must say up front is that our politicians, of the ANC more especially, have said they don't want judicial overreach into their political space. So when they run a process, the only job the lawyers had, such as Judge uh, Sandy Lenobo, was to clarify whether this evidence or the allegations tie up with any part of the law, just to give them a framework at face value, whether in fact there's something to investigate or not. So, so to me, the report for the purpose to which it was intended, it was a, a very good job. Uh, there are other things that they raise that are politically convenient uh, for the purpose of what the ANC wanted to do with the report. Remember that the ANC's view is not the only view because the, the opposition almost unanimously agreed that the report is fit enough to proceed. Zamani uh, Sol and, and, and Dr. Dole, let me bring you into this one as well. Um, Saying, saying that one, the ill-discipline that, that we saw yesterday was, was unacceptable, but his reading of it was that it worked in the favor of President Ramaphosa. He says that sort of behavior worked against Dr. Zulim Kize and in favor of Ramaphosa. Well, uh, this is an elective conference uh, of the ANC, and whatever happens and uh, response that will come from those who are for or against would always um, be done uh, positively for the candidate that they're in favor of. Maybe he's saying that um, it went into Ramaphosa's favor because uh, the, 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 the crowd that was disruptive was uh, contained and was able to speak um, up until the end of, the, of his speech. And equally, he also spoke and emphasized on issues that we all know that though his opponents in the ANC would not love to hear, especially talking about the, the support of the ANC towards the State Capture Commission. Uh, of course, uh, those that are opposed to him don't even want to hear the name uh, Zondo or State Capture Commission. Um, so political psychology will always be the order of the day. You always speak as if you are in charge.
whether you are is what will will therefore have to determine at the end of the conference. So, Sanile, what will be the opportunity for some of these issues to be ventilated? Because that, that particular comment was was very, not necessarily dismissive, but didn't acknowledge right the 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 validity of the concerns that that were raised. Right, a lot of the chanting was around load shedding. A lot of it, expectedly, was around palapala as well. I mean, so so these aren't necessarily or can't be read as merely factional issues, but very real concerns here that that delegates share that are also shared with many South Africans or by many South Africans. Uh, yes, uh, you'll remember that there were some issues uh, that, especially the group from KZN in the media conference that they had where they said they'll leave the matters hanging and they will address them at this conference and that conference in media was more peaceful than expected and more orderly than expected uh, however the protests that happened here show that there's a bit of agitation that is going in in the hearts of the people the people are, are discontent discontented now on these issues that are being brushed aside I just want to raise another side of the story. For instance, on the Palapala issue, which was being chanted about yesterday, uh, Neil Froneman, uh, who is probably running the largest mining group in South Africa, including having bought Lonmin, has come out in public and said the president should have resigned by now. Sir Ramaphosa should have resigned by now. And Sir Neil Froneman is not part of the RET forces here. Uh, uh, I think by definition, yes. Right. <laughs> So, uh, so, so we've got to be sensitive, and all those opposition parties, including the DA, the Freedom Front Plus, uh, uh, IFP, and so on, are not part of this. Uh, and, and there's a lot of them. They were almost unanimous, the opposition parties. So this issue of Palapala itself is not just about people who are generally disgruntled. There is an issue in the nation of South Africa itself, and amongst the top, top leaders of the nation, it is an issue. The issue of ESCOM and load shedding is an issue of the nation, not just of the RET forces. And unfortunately for Sir Ramaphosa, it has so happened for whatever reason that uh, the record of load shedding has worsened under his control than under Zuma. Zuma was in load shedding. Uh, uh, so it has opened all sorts of cans of worms. So you cannot just brush it aside and say, call in security and suppress those people and the matter is over. Uh, I think it is deeper than that. And it has to be ventilated in those commissions. Now, my calculation is that two days of this conference, which is yesterday and today, is going to be wasted verifying members of the ANC, the validity of their members and their credentials. Yesterday they spent the whole day. So the conference is probably two days behind schedule relative to discussing the substantive issues that we are raising. There's, a, there's another question towards policy, uh, Dr. Ndo. I'd like to put this to you around how policy is made in the ANC. So. I remember um, in 2010, uh, 2000, uh, 2010, there's an ANC National General Council where the ANC Youth League under Julius Malema, as it then was, basically sent all its members into the, into the economic transformation tent, um, really to try and bully Trevor Manuel. I mean, good luck to them, but trying to bully Trevor Manuel mm. um, around mine nationalization at the time. Um, and what I'm trying to get to is how policy is actually made, because there's a tendency to sort of see it as a kind of show of hands. Now, anywhere in the world, you are not going to get, in my view, 
um, energy around a just energy transition, a policy around a just energy transition by show of hands. Mm. You know, it's going to determine do you have more, you know, uh, NGOs in the room or more or more coal uh, people in the room. It's a lot more complex than that. Um, and so I wonder sometimes about the nature of policy making at ANC conferences. Well, I think um, one area to acknowledge is that the ANC would uh, specifically uh, convene a policy conference. They did that three months ago, right here, which uh, my colleague Sandile says it, 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 it was quite um, uh, cool, quite organized, and people were actually focused. And what then they also do is that after the policy conference having agreed, they then take these policies to a national elective conference, exactly what they are going to be doing today for final adoption. My view is that when you're dealing with policy issues, whether you are a political party or not, you need to be able to bring on board expertise on specific areas so that they should be able to bring in more flesh onto your policy, look at the, 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 the possibility of implementation, what might be the challenges of, of, uh, of these policies. And also, it cannot just only end up at the raising of hands uh, and unnecessary emotions. You need to look as to whether indeed you have both human and financial resources for the implementation of such policies. How then are the ordinary citizens going to respond to these policies? Is it good or bad? for the population. Those are the areas that we need to look at. And equally, if you have to make policy and amendments, you also need to still go back to the very same people and say, these are areas that we think we having challenges, we can't move, and that's why we're actually making these amendments or we do away with uh, some of those policies. I suppose in, in many ways, Sandile, this is also how democratic centralism survives, right? You bring a couple of people, thousands of people, in fact, uh, to come together, yes, to, 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 to elect, also to engage ideas, but then you, you waste so much time um, on, on trying to verify who should be here and who shouldn't be here, which then means when the real work of the thinking work, the, the, the strategizing, understanding the, the landscape, where are we, where are we trying to go and so on, then that work is left to just a, a couple of people then, you know, in, in between these, these larger gatherings there, you don't really get a sense of, of what people on the ground really need, what they care about, or where they would actually like uh, to, to see the organization go, but of course, by extension, where the country goes. Yes. Unfortunately, there has been, uh, if we're to be polite, uh, a lack of consistent internal criticism within the ANC about the same topic that we are raising. One fellow that uh, I know, Mohamud uh, Mukhodire, he came out of the 2012 uh, ANC conference and he wrote an article in the Sunday Times. And uh, in that article, he criticized, and uh, and, and Tabang Makwetla wrote his own, there were two of those articles, that the people who are now in the conference are voting cattle. Uh, the only concern that they have is not anything. You are irritating them if you want them to go and workshop any particular policy. They want to know what, when is the time coming for me to vote. So when I say now the lack of consistency is that that criticism was published in, in 2012. 
But over the years, the exact problem has not yet been solved. And I can tell you now, if you lose these two days, which I think we are now a long way in into losing the two days, the next thing, those things are going to be railroaded uh, uh, and then they are going to be vote of hands and approved and that's the end of the story. Uh, and then that critical analysis and in-depth data-based, you know, uh, evidence-based policymaking is, is out of the window. It's also though, the problem that policies are often not popular. I mean, it's, it's, it involves trade-offs. And because it involves trade-offs, you can either have this or you can't, you know, or you can have something else but you can't have both. I mean, the complexity of policy in a world like ours, and may I say in a country like ours, where you've got to deal with racialized inequality to the extent that you must, um, makes it actually even harder. I don't know if you can really... Um, I suppose the question, Dr. Ndau, is, is to what extent do we involve democracy in policy making? And I think you can do it on the broad things. You can say, um, do we want to fight against racialized inequality? Yes. Does Blake economic empowerment work? Well, that can be a different argument. Well, um, uh, we we quite protected by our constitution in South Africa um, in the sense that obligation is given to government and uh, senior government officials to ensure that um, each time when they have to deal with a policy matter, they need to go out and thoroughly consult with the people on the ground. The other question we, we could ask ourselves would be to which extent are um, uh, citizens getting involved in the policy making or policy participation. There's a new concept now that talks to um, policy capture. Uh, policy capture in the sense that uh, there are instances in which there is a deliberate move, uh, not by government only, but also by some sectors of society or those in leadership positions to say, we can invite certain individuals to come and participate in this policy activity and isolate others. I'm not talking about people who are unable to attend because of other reasons, but there are instances where certain individuals who has a potential to make a huge contribution get isolated in the policy making exercise. And therefore that creates a situation where when you need a, a, an activity that's supposed to be as inclusive as possible, it now isolates certain individuals, and that's something that is, is quite uncalled for. Thank you very much. Uh, that was the voice there of Dr. Levin Doe, and of course, thank you to Sandy Leswana as well.